Live from Three T's is recorded in front of a studio audience. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new podcast experience. The name of this one is Live from Three T's. My name is Mike Love. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we will be covering a lot of ground on this podcast. We got L.A. Reid stopping by the podcast today, the chairman of Epic Records. And, of course, you will get my very twisted perspective on what is trending. Uh, people come to me all the time. I talk to folks and they say, Mike, you should do a podcast. And, of course, the reason why I should do a podcast, even though I have my own radio show, is there are so many things that I don't get to talk about on the radio. And I don't get to always put that especially twisted perspective on uh, the radio. Of course, when I say especially twisted, I mean curse. <laughs> I can't curse on the radio because I want to keep my job. And also, you know, with a podcast, you, you're a lot freer in uh, ability to talk what you can talk about. There's no time constraints, although this will not be a really, really long, drawn out podcast. But I want to do... You know, in memory of my man, Horatio Ramirez, shout out to him. He was one of my co-workers at Crawford Broadcasting. He passed last year in 2015, and he had a podcast called The 15-Minute uh, Break, which was exactly that. It was a podcast, but it was short. You know, people's attention span isn't really that long. So uh, we will be relatively brief and to the point, hopefully less than 30 minutes per podcast. But I want to start out this one talking about birthdays before we get into uh, my man L.A. Reed. I want to talk about birthdays and overinflated expectations. Recently, I celebrated my 50th birthday and it was a super low key birthday for me, as most of my birthdays are. You know, people wanted to know, like, they didn't see my birthday on Facebook, so they wonder, you know, they didn't even know it was my birthday to begin with. And then when I come to work and my coworkers like, what day is your birthday? I'd send them off and tell them a different day. <laughs> because birthdays to me are a special day. Like, you only get one per year. But I always felt like sharing it on Facebook, and this is no disrespect to anybody, because a lot of people have what I like to call Facebook birthdays, where you open your page up, everybody says, happy birthday to you, and you feel special, and then you put out your, I'd like to thank the Academy for wishing me a happy birthday yesterday. I feel so warm. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And you blow your kisses to all your followers, and you feel real great about that. And I remember uh, back in like 09, I had my Facebook page open and my birthday was posted and you could actually do that. You could actually leave me a message. And I remember seeing that in my timeline and all these people wish me a happy birthday. But there were so many people that I hadn't spoken to in years that wished me a happy birthday. And I just kind of felt like, damn. Not special, uh, you know, like most people are like, oh my gosh, so-and-so wished me a happy birthday. And I just kind of felt like, man, this motherfucker wouldn't even speak to me on a normal day, <laughs> but they wish me a happy birthday on Facebook. I'm still old school and I like the personal touch. I like when people call me on my birthday because I call people on theirs. I like when people send me a text on my birthday because I send people texts on their birthdays. A whole bunch of strange people typing HBD and sending it on my page. There's nothing to that. That's, you know, it, it doesn't impress me. It doesn't do anything for me. 
And I know that there are people that are like, oh, man, that's just a, a bad way to feel about it. That's a horrible way to think. You want to have your birthday up so your fans and the people that love you can send you a happy birthday. But it just it just doesn't mean that much to me. Birthdays for me are very personal. I'm a Pisces. So I celebrated my 50th birthday and uh, I didn't really I didn't want a birthday party because birthday parties are, in a, are just another thing. <laughs> Like, I remember doing my 40th birthday, and shout out to my man, Coffee. We did a, a 40-30 party. The movement helped put it together. Shout out to Shala. Shout out to Mo B. Uh, we put it together. It was at the Buddha Lounge, the Funky Buddha Lounge in Chicago. So we did this big 40-30 party. I invited all these people and, you know, sent text messages out like, hey, come through. It's my 40. You know, I'm so excited about having a birthday, and I want you to come through and celebrate with me. Instead of enjoying my birthday night, I'm spending most of the night, as people do when they throw their parties in clubs, getting people in the party and not enjoying myself. And then, of course, the other side is all of the people that you invited that you wanted to see that didn't make it for whatever reason. And you spend so much more time worrying about who didn't show than who did show. So... This year, I turned 50. I didn't want to do a birthday party. I didn't want to deal with all the issues and pressure that comes with having a birthday party. But shout out to DJ Mr. E. He did the birthday line on my radio show on 106.3. He and his wife. So they do the birthday line. He's like, yeah, man, when's your birthday? And I'm, you know, he knows I'm a Pisces. I say my birthday is Monday. He's like, well, Tuesday night, I'm at uh, Darren's place. Come through and spend do a little DJing for your birthday. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Sounds like a good idea. I'm not turning down any opportunity to DJ anywhere. <laughs> so I go there, spend a day after my birthday, and people are like taking pictures with me and, you know, posting them on Facebook. You know, I'm at Mike Love's birthday party. I'm at Mike Love's birthday party, which I really didn't want because it wasn't my birthday party. I turned 50 the day before, and I happened to be celebrating that night. So... Shout out to my Sugar Babies family, Lynn and Black. They saw that on my timeline on Facebook. And they're like, oh, we didn't even know it was your birthday. Not knowing that I don't want nobody to know it's my birthday. And I really wasn't inviting people to come down to celebrate my birthday. So they're like, oh, we got to throw you a birthday party at Sugar Babies. And I'm like, oh, Lord. That means I got to go on my phone and send people text messages and, hey, I'm doing a birthday party. Come see me. Come fuck with me on my birthday. It'd be nice to see you. And I hate doing that because it puts pressure on those people that are like, eh, I kind of fuck with you, Mike Love, or I don't really fuck with you like that. <laughs> Here's my thing with birthdays. Two types of people come to your birthday party. The people that fuck with you right now and your true friends. I'll say it again. The people who fuck with you right now and your true friends. Those are the people that come to birthday parties. How many people do you know throwing birthday parties in the club and not that many people showed up and they're like, man, I sent out so many invitations. I invited so many people. I can't believe people didn't come. See, here's the thing I learned with birthdays. Get yourself some white friends because white people come out to birthday parties. Black folks, we so important. I'm going to try to make it. You know, I got other things to do that night, but I'm going to try to make it. Oh, man, I appreciate you inviting me. I'm going to try to make it. White folks, the exact opposite. 
Your birthday is centered around my day. I'm there. You invited me. I'm coming out. The last time I did a birthday party, I invited this white couple that I knew. I said the party started at 8 o'clock. Them motherfuckers got there before I did. They were at the party when I walked in the door. I was like, oh, shit, hey, thanks for coming out. And I'm talking, I was there early. I didn't make the black people grand entrance to my birthday two and a half hours later. I'm talking about the party started at 8. I was there like 8, 10, 8, 15, and they was already there. So get yourself some white friends if you do want to throw a birthday party because they will not only come, but they will get there early on time as white folks do. So uh, so Sugar Babies throws me the birthday party. Uh, some folks come out. Some people send me text messages at the last minute. They couldn't make it. It is what it is. I, I'm not ungrateful. I appreciate everything that Sugar Babies has done for me. But it's just not my thing because I don't like I don't like that whole feeling of, yeah, man, damn, Mike Love ain't got no friend. Like shit, look around the party, it's uh, it's a few people in here, but not as many as we expect Mike Love to have. So now I gotta have all this pressure to have fucking friends and all this other shit. I ain't got time for that. I'm fifty. And then you turn around and then Sugar Baby's like laying a black or some other people throw a birthday party and it's, you know, five million people there. They got friends and family members coming up from other states and <laughs> down south, cousins and mom and them, you know, don't come out but once a year, but today birthday parties. And then they part of the MC organizations and all of those motorcycle clubs are connected. I'm not, man. I'm Mike Love, the DJs on 106.3. Uh, I don't hang out with a lot of people. Uh, my All my oldest friends are in Milwaukee. They're not here in Chicago. A couple of my old friends came through. Appreciate that. Appreciate the love. Shout out to them. It's just not that big of a deal to me. So I don't make it a big deal. So my friends, in turn, don't view it as a big deal. So they're like, ah, I'll holler at that dude when I can. So happy 50th to me. I made it another year. I'm super, super excited, super, super proud, and super geeked to be 50 to make it this far in life. Like, I stopped on that day and was like, wow, 50. That's uh, that's quite a fucking milestone <laughs> to make. Like, not even a lot of people don't even live that long because my mother lived that long and my father lived that long. And, you know, a lot of my uncles and aunts lived that long as well. So I see a lot of people live to 50. I didn't grow up in a super high crime area where a lot of people got killed. As a matter of fact, most of the people that I know that I was close to that died have died in the last eight years or so. A lot of them have died by their own hand. So if anything, I'd be like, shit, you know, I got to worry about depression setting in and uh, killing myself. Don't get a gun, nigga. Don't get a gun. So that is my take on birthdays. Once again, you are tuned to the pilot episode of Live from Three T's. Uh, that is my podcast. My name is Mike Love. And of course, we're doing interviews on this podcast as well. So it's my perspective and then a superstar interview. And this gentleman needs no introduction, but I got to introduce him anyway. He is the chairman of Epic Records, Mr. L.A. Reed. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you. It's really a joy to be here. Thank you so much for having Welcome me. Welcome to Chicago Land, the book. Love Chicago. It is out, yes. Did you say Chicago Land? Chicago Land. And they called it, that was the original name of Chicago, right? 
I don't know about all yeah, that. I think so. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, I think before Look at this Chicago, guy. A his, Chicago land. Yeah, a historian. That's, 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 that's teaching that's, that's me something. History. It is. Yeah. So the book, uh, Sing to Me, uh, the story of making music, finding magic, and searching for who's next. I talked to my wife this morning. I was dropping her off at work, and uh, she was like, are you excited about today? That's, that's when I knew that this day was going to be a special day because oh, my, wife, my wife doesn't like anything. So she's like, are you excited? This guy's been on Fallon this week, and he's been on Seth Meyers, and he's everywhere, and his book is like number two on the chart. I was like, why don't you come in and do the interview for me <laughs> since you know so much about him? But uh, the book is uh, number one on one of the Amazon charts. You're excited about that. You got to be. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm really happy to share the stories, you know, and... Um, it just it was the book was kind of like therapeutic for me mm -hmm. because of all of the artists that I've been so fortunate to work with, and um, but I've been holding all this stuff in for all these Man. years, right? And, and, and again, it's not like a a disc book or a juice book, or it's it's just stories that right. I found important with the important people. But one of the things <laughs> I learned from the book, and it's kind of like the information is out there with the whole TLC thing. Pebbles was not a crook. <laughs> She, she was a, she was crazy, but she wasn't a crook. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she had a way of. Uh, he can tell the story better because he but lived it. Was, but listen, <laughs> no, she absolutely was not a crook, and I, I, for many reasons, I've always resented and never spoke about it. Mm -hmm. But I've always resented that she was sort of painted that way. Right. When in fact between TLC and Pebbles. They were all kind of the same age, living in the same town. Everybody was doing what they were doing for the very first time. This was the first time she ever signed a band. Right. First time they ever had a record deal. Mm. First big hit act on LaFace Records. So it was a first for all of us. So right. the, tr the truth is, no one had the kind of power and authority over anyone to do anything underhanded. Right, right, right. All children together. Didn't even know the game well enough no, to even really. Possible. Like, <laughs> what, she, what, she, what would she have taken from them? Right. You know what I mean? Did mm. something come in the mail that I didn't see? You know? Now, you also say in the book that if they just would have been patient, like the money was coming from Arista, like it kind of had to funnel its way down through the system. If every artist that I've signed, or forget once one, one, the ones I've signed, if every artist that I worked with, in the industry right. filed for bankruptcy nine months after they put out their first single. <laughs> the whole industry would be in an uproar, right? Right, right. It right. really would. Right. Because the fact of the matter is that um, you got to just, just give it a second. Right, to kind of... Give it a second. And, 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 you, and you get a lot more, you know. So the thing that bothered me was that TLC, who I, I love, by the way. Mm. I don't take a side. Yeah, that's why yeah. I never spoke on it. Right. But they spent the last 20 years talking about that was a crook. That, that was moment a crook. that they, they that felt. Was a crook. Now, do, do, are they saying that they, didn't, they never gotten paid? They can't say that. Right. But they spent 20 years talking about that moment. Right, 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 right. And many of us spent those same 20 years making more and more and more and more, and more records. And I saw in, the, in some of the other interviews you did that you haven't watched that biopic or you didn't watch the, uh, the Tony Braxton either. I'm going to watch Tony's this weekend. Oh, okay. I spoke to Tony on the phone and she says, Helen, you haven't watched it? I was like, no. Well, I've seen all your interviews. She's like, you got to watch it. She said, it's fine. You yeah, got to watch it. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm, I'll watch it. But I'm watching it largely because Tony asked me right. and also because I'm honestly proud that mm. whether it's TLC or Tony or even Whitney that 
they've been able to make movies about our careers. Yeah, you have been in all of those. I, I, I find that fascinating because I didn't sign up for that. Right, 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 right. That one, it was a hit. The man, the legendary CEO of uh, and chairman of Epic Records, Mr. L.A. Reed, is in the building. Thank you. Thanks for having and, me. And... Uh, uh, in the book, Sing to Me, you hold uh, Kanye West in very high regard. I got a quote that really stood out to me that I'd like to share with our listeners. Okay. This is incredible. To me, there's Prince and Kanye. They are the most creative artists of all time. Kanye is the equivalent to Prince in a different time and space, in a different era of music where the values have changed. Kanye may not be the performer Prince is, but he is equally important. Wow, man. And, and Prince is like your number one. So for you, this is my number one, and 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 Kanye is is right there also. How many artists have five albums in a row, be be massive commercial successes, and also classic um, from a critical perspective? Right, right. I can tell you, there's probably Prince, mm -hmm. there's Kanye, and Stevie. Right, right, right. That right. have five, right? Because all of no one else had five, right? Even Jay-Z, who, who is the godfather mm -hmm. of hip-hop, right. his first one was big, second one wasn't so much. Right, right. right. Then third and like right. boom, boom, then boom, boom third, after that. It was that. like up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. And he's the greatest right. in, his, in what he does. But Kanye had five classics in a row. Right. The late registration, I mean the college dropout, right? The late registration, the graduation, the 808 and heartbreak, and right into the dark twisted, right? Right, And right. then and watch now, the throne. Right, right. So truthfully, he had six in a row. Nobody can say that. No other artist can say that. And that's how you, the Beatles may be able to say that, my guess, right? Mm -hmm. But um, no one can really say that. Even Michael Jackson, who is the greatest entertainer right. of all time. Doesn't have that critical acclaim he had, on the he had albums. Off the Wall, then he had Thriller. And, then, bad. and bad, and it started to go the other way. Mm -hmm. Although Dangerous had, remember the time? Yeah, 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 it yeah. It wasn't regarded as an off the wall or a thriller, right? Indeed, indeed. Kanye had five in a row, and six if you count Watch the Throne. So, statistically, and my own taste, Kanye's the best. There it is. There it is. Let's talk about uh, artists. He works so much with artists like uh, Usher and Mariah Carey, like in depth in getting their albums together, yeah. their classic albums like uh, and, uh, Emancipation of Mimi for Mariah and Confessions. Uh, Confessions the, the great, all time <laughs> great. Yeah, it I is. Like, forget about it. So, so, my question is in both of those situations and you talk about it in the book how much those uh were pushed back how, how often you kept sending them to the studio to give them that song that feel yeah. that vibe and in both cases in usher's case he came with yeah and mariah carries we belong to we belong together which we right. still hear both of those songs to this day what happens when you're putting that pressure on artists and they can't give you that song where you're just like this does that continue to just push the yeah. album back or mm, no eventually i i have to um eventually i have to cave you know because <laughs> it doesn't really always work it's not like if i say okay go back it doesn't you're right it doesn't always work you know i've, I've tried it with artists and it was just done you could tell like okay i can tell that the quality of song that i'm getting now the work must be done mm -hmm. so the trick is to try to read it and I could tell Mariah had more in the tank. I could tell Usher had more in the tank. Right. You know, even Kanye. But it doesn't work with everybody. Right. Um, sometimes they get it right up front, by the way. Sometimes these artists go in and make the records, and 
the big hits come early and then they just kind of work to finish the album and make it great as they can but I don't put the same pressure because it's there like Rihanna is that way every time I worked with her I don't work with her now but every right. time I worked with her you know it felt like we got the big ones like either in the beginning or in the middle of the album okay as opposed to having to send her back 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 and back you mm -hmm. know so works out differently for everyone okay let's talk about some of the some of my classic era when i first started in radio like the uh yeah. the la and babyface era the production era okay. and there have always been a couple of questions that i wondered you know i read um and i keep referencing this book that you wrote because i because so i did read it cover to cover uh, 300 some odd pages, a great read, it's a page turner. Thank you. Uh, you wrote uh, the Bobby Brown song, Every Little Step, yes. about Pebbles. Yeah, that's my love song, <laughs> dedication to Pebbles. Yep. So when I read this in the book, I'm like, L.A. Reid wrote one verse of this song because on the remix, the version that we know of the song, he sings the verse twice. On but the on the album version, two there's verses. actually a second verse. Yeah. What? Why did that end up happening like that? Uh, I honestly think you want to know the truth? Yeah, tell the truth. I think we messed up. <laughs> I think, I really do. I think that the engineer spliced in the second verse, first verse twice. I didn't notice it until like 2004. Are you serious? <laughs> I, that's one of those things where I pay really close attention to things, right? Right. I'm like, why didn't I notice that? And I think it was just jamming so hard. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he sang know. it in a different kind of a tone, in different tone, but it was right. the same verse. Because <laughs> it was true. The truth is that the remix, there was three verses. Mm -hmm. uh, we did the first verse twice, and then we edited out the second verse. Um, I don't know, exactly know why, but it's funny that you yeah, caught that. Yeah, yeah. I always, I, like, I wondered that. that you I've wondered that. that for years. Like, wow. And I will post that on Facebook from time to time. Like, who the L.A. and Babyface think they are? <laughs> Giving us a by the same verse by Bobby Brown oh, twice in the song. Hilarious. I didn't catch it until later. I'm oh, really okay. Okay. That was like the the true beginning of of when Kenny and I were working together. And I I always say this, and I really want to. I say this because, um, in fairness to Kenny, my job was I was a collaborative writer, and I filled in the blanks. Right. And I did beats, and I produced a lot. Right. right? But Kenny is the genius songwriter. Mm -hmm. And I never tried to put myself out there as that. I mean, clearly, I have a Dex job, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but Kenny was the genius songwriter. Mm -hmm. And he would write sometimes and, and play me songs and, and say, what do you think? And I'd say, okay, let me, let me just finish it, right? Let mm -hmm. me finish it. Let me write the second verse. And uh, I mean, I'll take it from there and I'll produce it. But uh, he is the genius right. that really is the reason why I'm here. He's the glue. Yeah. I always felt, and after reading the book, it, it kind of really brought it home. Uh, your affinity for Outkast, obviously they were signed to your label. But I always felt like Outkast was kind of like L.A. and Babyface, a rap version. Whereas you had wow. Andre that was kind of looked at as like this lyrical genius. Yeah. That's kind of like, 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 like face. That's right. right. And then you, the underrated guy, big right. boy, who's like very extremely talented, but, but under so underrated. Right. And people are like, yeah, 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 Dre, Dre, Dre. And it was like, man, okay. You know, but on the other side, it was, there was you yeah. that, that definitely had some. So as I read the book, I was like, man. And in the beginning of our careers, like I, I was a little bit taken aback by it because I used to have people say, so what do you do? <laughs> I'm be offended, like, what? Yeah. Like, 
seriously? You're asking me that? Like, listen to my records, you know, but I understood it. Um, and it was also helped me find my way. It helped me um, really understand my role. My role is, A, I'm the support. I'm the coach, mm. you know. Um, I don't make the game-winning shot. My artists make the game-winning shot. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, I was, like I said it in the book, I was Babyface's partner. Right. Who was a famous songwriter and producer. I was Pebble's husband, who at the time was very <laughs> famous. And then the funniest thing is that when my son Aaron turned 16, I became Aaron's father. Because right, the sweet, 16. the sweet 16. Right, so, I remember so seeing I'm that. I used to being like, you know, you know, you remember Kumo D had this song called How You Like Me Now? Right. And he had right. a line said that he said something like playing the background meanwhile, right? Mm -hmm. and I, that was what I was going to call my book if I'd written it in the 80s. Okay. Because I always played the background. Right, right, right. And that's my role. Love and it. here you are in the front. L.A. Reed, the book is Sing to Me, My Story of Making Music, Finding Magic, and Searching for Who's Next. Who's Next? Uh, we will continue. Who is it? Uh, you know, I go to DigiWatch and I search, search Epic all the time, and you guys are vested in the culture, yeah. as, your, as your label would say, right? Did you see how I did that? You see how that I did that? Way too good. Oh, I'm oh, I'm impressed. I'm a, I'm a, hey, I'm a professional in this. My name is Mike Love. His name is L.A. Reed. Thank we you, appreciate man. you stopping up, man, and continue success with everything. Thank you, you so did. much, man. Thank no you. doubt. You're way too good.